Today, the topic of commitment and devotion is a very broad topic, and I don't want to just give a, uh, I don't want to give a TED talk, right, on commitment and discipline, but today I want to zone in on something more specific regarding commitment, which is commitment and devotion to the church, commitment and devotion to the church, and the possible challenges that may come with um, committing to building up the body of Christ. And right from the forefront, I want to just lay out the main purpose of this sermon. If you're taking notes, this is the main purpose of this sermon. It's very simple, and it's this. Our commitment to God and to the church, His bride, our commitment to God and to His church, it glorifies God, it blesses one another, it builds up the corporate body, and it matures oneself. Let me say that one more time. Our commitment to God, first and foremost, God, and to His church, what it does is it glorifies God, it blesses one another, right? It builds up the community, the body of Christ at large, and it matures oneself. These are um, the main important reasons why we commit to building up the local church. Um, I want to read... Uh, Today's passage is from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. I read this a couple weeks ago in our living room style um, service. But I want to read it again. And uh, we have it up on the screen. Um, And I'm I'm actually going to read Acts 2, 42 to 47. And then skip a couple chapters. And read Acts chapter 4, 32 to 35. And the word of God says... And this is describing um, the church of Acts. After Jesus... Uh, died and resurrected and ascended into heaven. This is what happened. They, the followers of Christ, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Acts chapter 4, 32 says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Amen. Amen. Um, This church, this community um, that formed the Church of Acts, um, this people call this some may call this the early church. Um, they gathered in the name of Jesus. They gathered for Jesus, and they gathered because of Jesus. Um, 
they gathered, and what we see here in this passage is there was authentic koinonia. There was authentic fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They blessed one another through radical generosity. They knew each other's needs. And even goes as to say that here it says that they, they had no more needs because they were fulfilling one, one another's needs. It was radical. They knew each other's needs. Well, what else do we see in this community is we see the ecclesia. We see the church. We see the gathered people of God. They were building and strengthening the church. It says here that they increased in number. They increased in salvation. They were of one heart and one soul. And what we see here is something I want to repeat. I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago in the living room conversation. I said that when it comes to the purpose of the church, God, he not only uses you and I, followers of Christ, to sanctify the church, but he uses the body of Christ to sanctify you. It goes vice versa. So we see here in the ecclesia that their commitment and devotion to the church, they were building up the body of Christ. They were sanctifying. God was using every individual to sanctify the church. And also, their commitment to the church, they were also being discipled and sanctified. So once again, I want to say the main point, and we see here in this passage, in this community, that their devotion and their commitment to God and His church, it glorified God. It blessed each other. It built up the community, and it matured every single one of them. Uh, some things to keep in mind regarding this early church in Acts is this. We have to understand that the culture and the social climate was very different now and then. Why is it important to know this? Is Think about this. They didn't really have a choice which church to go to, did they? They didn't really have a choice which preacher to prefer, did they? They didn't. It's very different then. What, also, what we also have to keep in mind is this. Their cultural norm was actually to be communal. In the Jewish culture, they were much more communal then than maybe we are used to now. It was a norm then. They simply lived, when we see this church, they simply lived according to the salvation that they received. They simply responded to the great news that they had been transformed by. Nobody really taught them how to do church. It just unraveled that way. They didn't have thoughts like, should I join this church or not? Or I like this preacher or that preacher. They didn't have that. They were just naturally being communal because it was just in their culture. Right? Um, though formal church membership, as we know it, when I say formal church membership, I'm talking about taking membership classes or signing like a membership commitment or anything like that. That was actually absent in the early church. They didn't need it. Though formal church membership was not in the early church, the early church also did not have this. They were not dealt the same cards that we are dealt today. 
And we'll go into that later. What are the cards that we are dealt to? What are the circumstances and the, 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 the climate and the culture that we are dealt with today? Because obviously we have choices, don't we? We can choose any local body. We can choose different types of preachers. It's very different now. Right? Um, when it comes to church membership, uh, local church membership, um, I don't know if you grew up going to church with formal um, church membership or not. Uh, some churches do it. Some churches don't. Um, I want to share something, uh, a personal experience of mine that helped me understand um, you know, local church membership. And it's this. Um, a couple years ago, I graduated from Torch Trinity. Um, so I went to seminary here in Korea. I graduated in 2015, and um, people started calling me a pastor. Right? I got a MDiv, and I was serving here at New Philadelphia Church, and people called me Pastor JP. I was a pastor. And I was pastoring here, and then I had actually no thoughts or no interest in becoming ordained. I had no interest or thought about going through the ordination process and then, and then becoming a member of an organization called Kaikam and becoming a reverend. You know, especially in the Korean church circle, they, if you graduate from seminary and get an MD, they call you a, like a chipsanim, right? Or a pastor. A chondosanim, a chondosanim, I mean, right? And then you become ordained and then they call you a moksanim. Muksanim or a, a reverend, right? And so that for me, here was my mindset after I graduated university. It's like, hey, my heart is committed to build up the church. My heart is committed to pastor and grow as a pastor. And so I was thinking, what's the difference if I get ordained or not? I'm going to be doing the same things, and my heart is still committed. There's no need to, for me to become a reverend or no need for me to be ordained and join, be a member of, of Kaikam. So I decided not to for a couple of years after I graduated. I was just doing my thing, um, trying to serve the Lord as faithfully as I can. And then something happened. I started within those three years uh, after I, I, I graduated and became a pastor is I started experiencing uh, turbulence and resistance. I started doubting my calling as a pastor or my assignment as a pastor. I started really seriously doubting, is this for me? Do you got the right guy, God? Like, I, maybe I heard wrong, God. Or like, I was really just like, I don't know if I can do this. So many moments where I'm sure every pastor that goes through this is questioning whether they're called to be a pastor or not. And there were moments where God intervened. And whether it's through alone time or whether it's through talking to another pastor or whether it's through just our time of worship service, the Holy Spirit would convict me and meet me. And all of a sudden, I would suddenly feel the shepherd's heart for his church. I would feel, I would feel the ache. I would feel the longing of God's heart just a little bit. And I would be moved to tears. And there are so many moments where there'd be a confirmation, a personal confirmation. It was like, as hard as it is, this is what I'm called. I'm committing to this and recommitting and recommitting and recommitting, right? And then I felt like the Lord last year was saying, 
why don't you get ordained? I want you to get ordained. And I was wrestling. I was like, but why? It's the same thing for me. But I decided to get ordained. I took the exam under Kai Cam. And uh, earlier this year in June, I, um, I wore the robe. I got prayed for. And I, I got ordained. And I became a member of Kai Cam. And then I became a reverend. Question, did anything change in my heart? No, not really. As in, did my commitment level really change that much? Actually, not really. So why did I do this? Why did I become a member of Kaikam and be, be ordained? It's because it's personally between me and God. One, I wanted, to be, I wanted to come out publicly in my commitment to building His church. And two, I wanted this to be a mile marker for me to remind me when there's resistance, when there's turbulence, when there's times when things get tough and I want to quit. I want to look back at that moment, that personal moment between me and God and be like, I want to remember my commitment. I want to remember my devotion. I, remember, I want to remember those moments where God spoke to me. I want to remember those moments where I felt God's heart for his bride. So that's why I became a member. And the reason why I bring up this example is this. When it comes to local church membership, it doesn't actually make you a member of the body of Christ when you sign a membership you know, commitment. Once you became saved, you, were, you became part of the body of Christ. Local church membership, in a practical way, it serves as a reminder, like it did for me, of my commitment and my devotion to build the body of Christ. It also served as a reminder for me when things get tough, when I want to quit, of my commitment to the Lord. And like I said, it's an outward expression of an inward commitment between you and God. That's what it is. It says here in Acts chapter 2, um, the main verse, the word, the main word actually I want to focus on is they devoted themselves. They committed themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship. They devoted themselves. This word in Greek is proskaterio. Proskaterio. And let me just expound upon this definition of they devoted themselves. Is this. To continue to do something with intense effort, with the possible implication, despite difficulty. It is to attend consistently, to persist and persevere in, and continue to, steadfast, to be steadfast in. That is, they devoted themselves to. Why do I share this definition is this? Implied in this definition is that is. For a fact, there will be resistance. There will be resistance. That's the specific word that comes to mind when I think of devotion and commitment. There will be resistance. Persistence and steadfastness implies that. It means that there needs to be intentionality. We need to do it on purpose. It means to be, there, needs to be, there needs to be discipline. There needs to be a strong resolve in the why we're doing what we're doing. 
So the question that comes to mind is, what kind of resistance? What kind of resistance did the early church face when these people devoted themselves to this? What resistance did they face? For the disciples, the resistance included going against the cultural norm of society. It was actually taboo for them to gather like this. Even right after Jesus was crucified, for what gospel he presented, there was persecution in these times. Not just amongst political leaders, but religious leaders as well. There was persecution. There was intense amount of resistance here at this time. As the church grew, there were more social taboos of even association. It was frowned upon to be devoted to something like this. It reminds me of the when I hear, hear stories of the Chinese underground house churches. They still face an immense amount of persecution. They meet secretly. You best believe that there is such a tangible resistance for them. For our brothers and sisters, many parts of the world in the body of Christ, the devotion and commitment is so real. They may not sign a paper or anything like that, but their lives show that they are so committed to building the body of Christ, even if it costs them their life. Even if it costs them their life. But for us, we have been dealt a different set of cards. We don't really face that kind of persecution, do we? We don't. Our resistance is a little bit different. The Bible calls, there's this phrase called the spirit of the age. The spirit of the age, meaning like the waves and the winds of this world, the trends of this world, the waves of this world that come packaged so nicely and so attractive that hooks us. The spirit of the age that influences us, our minds and our hearts so much on the day to day. It's so subtle. These are the things that may prevent us from practicing a life of commitment and devotion. These things we ought to be mindful and aware of. So, what, what are the cards that we are dealt? What kind of resistance should we be aware of that prevents us from being a people of devotion and commitment? And I just want to name a couple of things. The first is this. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. It's this idea of radical individualism. Radical individualism. It's that thought that says, I don't see any personal benefit. I could grow in Christ on my own. It's just me and God. Mercenary Christianity. Let's bring the kingdom. Just you, me, and, just you and me, God. I shared a couple of weeks ago that Jesus is coming back, not just for individuals. Jesus is coming back for a corporate bride. When Paul writes... The epistles, he's not writing to individuals. He's writing to the church as a whole. Sanctification is not just individual. Sanctification is a corporate endeavor. God wants to use the local church to make you and I more like Christ. It's not the only way, but it's a huge way. I want to read this quote by Sung Chung Ra. He says, the church, because of our sinful nature, can have a tendency to reflect the individualism of Western philosophy 
than the value of community found in Scripture. The individualistic philosophy that has shaped Western society reduces Christian faith to a personal, private, and individual faith. This is in the spirit of the age. Individualism. Point being is this. Our minds must be renewed to think outside of ourselves. We need to start thinking big picture. We need to start thinking us rather than I. Us rather than I. But I just want to say this though, as a disclaimer. There's also the other, there's also the other extreme. Where we can become actually too communal. The opposite of individualism. Too communal. Where you lose your individuality. Where you don't think about your own individual faith. At times we can get too communal. To the point where we think we're walking with the Lord just because of association with the community. I want to make this loud and clear. We are not saved or have an intimate and thriving relationship with God just because of an association with the corporate body. You have an individual faith. Every single one of us. You are the steward and take responsibility over your individual faith. Okay. So we must have an individual faith and walk with God that is maturing and independent of one another. But at the same time, exercise our power of choice by committing to the body of Christ. There is that radical middle that we need to discover. Please be aware and take some time to think about it. How much has the spirit of the age, when it comes to individualism, affected my walk with God, my ecclesiology, and how I see the body of Christ? That's one. Second thing that we must be mindful of, and I share this as well, is radical consumerism. Radical consumerism. Thoughts that say, I haven't found the right fit. I don't like this community because of this, this, and this. I'm going to look for another one. The, the, the term that comes out of this is uh, church shopping, right? Church hopping, church shopping. That church or service doesn't provide for me what I want in my style. Right? Um, I'm going to read this again by Soon Chun Ra in his book, The Next Evangelicalism. He says, Because of our materialistic bent and our consumer mentality, our spirituality can be shallow. When life is reduced to a materialistic exchange of goods, our spiritual life can also be reduced to an exchange of goods. Spiritual life becomes a consumable product that is exchanged only if it benefits the material and corporal well-being of the individual consumer. We begin to think of ourselves as consumers when we relate to our local church. And it sounds harsh, but let's be honest. I'll be the first to admit all of us are affected by this. All of us are affected by this. When I lived in Africa uh, for two years, and I served and was involved in the body of Christ there, I learned a lot of things. Where I was in Africa, it's actually more natural, automatic to think communally. A communal society. When people became Christian and converted from Islam to Christianity in Africa, what I've noticed is that 
There's no thought of where should I go? There's no thought of, you know, how we may think in terms of which preacher do I like? Or, you know, don't get me wrong. There are parts of Africa where that have been influenced by these things of this spirit of the age and like that. But what I've experienced there at a grassroots level is that they just committed. You know, they got abandoned by their families. They committed to following Christ. And they were committed to whatever community that they believe that God has placed them in. It it felt very different there. A consumeristic mindset can choke out our commitment and our devotion. Now, another disclaimer here. This does not mean that we throw out all discernment and commit to anyone and anywhere. It's like saying, like for anybody trying trying to get in a relationship or married, it's like, Hey, you can marry anyone, actually. It's all, about, it's all about your growth and your change. No, it doesn't work like that. No, the Lord leads that as well. And, and when it comes to choice and stuff like that, yeah, that, it does matter. When it comes to a consumeristic mindset regarding the church, I'm talking about, you know, let's be honest, some shallow reasons for choosing. But I do want to say, this does not mean we throw out discernment. Every community is different in focus and dynamics, and culture, and DNA, and vision. But when we do commit to a local church, I do want to say this. What we should discern is, do I feel safe here? Is this community gospel-driven, gospel-focused? And is this direction and vision of this community, is it pure-hearted? And it is, is it rooted in scripture? These are the things that we need to discern. There's also other things. I mentioned individualism. There's consumerism. And because of a lack of time, I'm not going to go into a lot of these other ones. But something I do, some, I do want to mention is what hinders commitment? Honestly, uh, fear. Fear. Because, you know, there's a term called hurt by the church. And Pastor Susie mentioned how, you know, because the church is, uh, you know, a group of sinners... Uh, eventually you will be hurt by the church. I've been hurt by the church. We all have been hurt by the church. And I do not want to discount any of that. But fear is a legitimate reason why there may be a fear of committing, a fear of devotion. Fear is a huge reason. Disappointment, unmet expectations regarding the church is a big reason. And also familiarity. Familiarity can numb intentionality. Familiarity with church culture. Familiarity with what we already know. We can get on cruise control. A danger is actually, another angle of this, a danger is actually committing to the church on the outside, but not on the inside. Right? We can join church membership and commit, but then on the inside, not really commit. There's all these reasons that contribute to the resistance behind our devotion and commitment. And I'm not here to say in November, you know, at the end of November when we have membership classes, like, you better be there or you're not obeying the Bible. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying that. Like I said in the beginning, I believe that the heart of commitment and devotion, I've seen it, I've witnessed it tangibly. I've, I'm in it. I, I, I'm part of a community, you know, that practices it. 
But I do want to say, like, it takes time. Nothing is forced here. Everybody has an individual choice. Everybody has an individual choice. And, you know, I just want to say this. Committing to a local body, it's a huge thing. It's a vulnerable thing. It's a vulnerable thing to reveal yourself, show your heart, and make it vulnerable to other broken people. Your commitment it matters to God. He knows that it is faith-filled. He knows that it's a vulnerable decision to make. He knows that it takes faith, trust, the opening up of your life. He knows, he knows it takes energy and sacrifice. So before we even maybe even get used to and just you know, go through church membership class or whatnot and, and commit, I really want us to really examine our hearts. And I want you to know that your decision to do it, it matters to God. You know, just as I made that decision to become ordained, it mattered. It mattered to God. I feel it. I feel it from my Abba. I feel that He knows that it's going to take sacrifice. I know that He knows that I'm going to go through stuff. I'm going to face the resistance. And I'm going to hold His hand. He's going to walk me through. And in the same way, I want to encourage and challenge our community to continue to run this race. And I'll say this main point of this sermon once again. Our commitment to God and His body, it glorifies God, it blesses Him. It blesses one another. It builds the corporate body and it matures oneself. That's the simple message I have for today. And so, you know, that concludes our short, you know, series on why membership matters. And I, I hope that at the end of November, um, I hope that everybody takes a class and, and, and learn, as we can learn together, of why we believe what we believe. What is, how is God leading this community? How will we heed the voice of our Father and our Shepherd? And so, I'm excited about that. And um, that, that's it for today.